Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. Awesome. So it's so good to be here with you guys. I'm, I've never been more happy that someone got COVID than I am now. Um, because Chris was meant to preach tonight, poor Chris Adams, and, um, and he got COVID. So he had to cancel. And, and I was sad about that for you guys, but I was happy because had an emergency. Yes, I'm going to come up and preach straight from Albany here to Perth. And so I'm so glad to be with you guys here tonight. Your family, and we just love spending time with family, hey? Who, who loves being part of Ocean's Church? Come on. Awesome. Um, and it's so good to have Terence's girlfriend. Oh, sorry, Trent. Sorry. Sorry, Trent. Trent's girlfriend, whose name is... Sorry, Courtney. Let's give it up for Courtney all the way from Canada. Sorry, just slowly catching up here. It's awesome. Great to have you. And it's good to have everyone here with us tonight. So, hey, can I quickly give you some heads up? about two significant dates that are happening next year. So get out your phones. You can check Instagram. That's okay while you get out your phones. But write these two dates down next year. We would love you to consider making these dates your own. The first is Easter Sunday. That's happening on the 31st of March. So Easter Sunday is like our Super Bowl. It is our grand final as a church. This is the Sunday that is most acceptable to be inviting your friends to to church. And so we spend a lot of time praying into this Sunday um, and planning in the lead up to it. We think we might be having like something like a family fun day in the lead up to it. But this is the moment. If you are going away on holidays, can I encourage you, rather than going away on the Friday, to go away on the 1st of April, April Fool's after Easter Sunday. Because this, we've got a lot of effort for you to make it as easy as we can for you to invite and to bring, well, we're going again, um, to invite your friends along so they can encounter Jesus and know the gospel. And so put that day in your calendar. The other one is that we are going to be having Oceans Conference again next year. We're going to be having, it's going to be a 24-hour conference all the way down in Albany from midday Saturday to midday Sunday with no sleep in between. No, we will let you sleep and eat maybe. Um, but it's going to be absolutely incredible. So that's going to be the last weekend in October. So start planning around that now. We're going to announce two incredible speakers later on next year, in the early next year, which is going to be absolutely phenomenal. So put those dates in your diaries. would be awesome. Amen? All right. So we are now in the fourth and final week of our End Times series. And the tagline with this is living with the end in mind. You know, often we talk about beginning with the end in mind, um, but we're talking about living with the end in mind. Now, Liana, my 10-year-old daughter, she's currently reading a book called The Heavenly Man. Has anyone ever read The Heavenly Man? It's about Brother Yun in China, who was actually a leader in the church. He went through severe persecution, spent time in prison. And you're like, is this appropriate for a 10-year-old to read? Well, I don't know. I'm finding out. But she is reading it. A, because she kind of enjoys reading it and she's getting a lot out of it, but mainly she's reading it because she's got something else in mind. She's got the end in mind. And the end that she has in mind is $10 that I promised to give her on completion of the book. And so she is living, she's reading with the end in mind. And this is how Jesus wants us to live. He wants us, when we consider the end times, the main goal 
regarding the end times for us, according to God, isn't that we know exactly what's going to happen in the end, but that it affects the way that we live today. And so Jesus has revealed enough for us about the end with His agenda that it would impact the way we live today. And so what we've been talking about over the last three weeks previously to this is how we should live with the end in mind. And the first week we spoke about how God wants us to live with urgency. He wants us to live with urgency because the reality is time is so short and Jesus can come back any moment. And so if we live with urgency, we live in a way that helps us to make the most of every opportunity. I think we do have some slides ready to come up there. The second week, we spoke about living with persistence or persistence eat to make it rhyme and it is a real word and how God when we have an eternal perspective about what's going to happen when Jesus returns where Jesus finally wipes away every sickness every tear from our eyes where there'll be no more death and no more suffering and no more pain we can survive through the trials that we have because we have an eternal perspective and then Jesus also invites us to live with quality to make our life count for something of substance at the end of our lives God isn't necessarily looking for the quantity of things that we've been able to achieve. But if we got something of substance, of quality at the end of our lives to present to Jesus. And so that message last week spoken by Jaden was awesome about essentially being refined by the fire. How fire refines your faith like gold. And so this is the invitation to us through Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to check that out on Facebook or YouTube. But tonight, what we're doing, do we have the scriptures up? Are they working or they're not really? Maybe I'll just clicking through the slides there, maybe catch up on the, that's all right, you figure it out. Um, and then, thanks guys, you're awesome. Um, and then tonight what we're going to do is talk about living with fervency. And it's right because it rhymes. Amen. So we want to live with fervency And in order for us to do that, before I go into the key scripture, I'm just going to be praying for us and asking for God to speak to us tonight because I believe that God really, He really wants to speak to us tonight. And so would you open up your heart and allow God to speak to you as I pray. And so Father God, we come to you tonight. We thank you, Father God, that you don't want to scare us about the end times, but you want to prepare us. And so Holy Spirit, would you speak to us tonight? We choose to hunger, Lord. We choose to open our hearts, open our ears to hear what are you saying to us individually tonight and as a church, God. And so God, I commit tonight into your hands, in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Awesome. So we're going to begin by reading, here we go. We're going to start by reading through Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 to 14. Um, And we're dropping in on a conversation that Jesus is having with a few of his followers on the Mount of Olives. And so they they pull him aside and they come to Jesus with a question. And they said, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Like, give us some deets, Jesus. Tell us what the signs are. Tell us what the timeline is. Give us the pamphlet. Let us have the whole perspective so we know what's going down. And then Jesus responds to them, sort of answering the question, but not really. It's like when you're a kid and you ask, or our poor kids, they're like, Dad, what are we having for dinner? I'm like, something nutritious. And I don't know what having, but I'm like, the point is, you're having something nutritious. I don't always give them the answer that they need, that they want, but I give them the answer they need. And so Jesus responds and he tells them, he says, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming, I'm the Messiah, I'm back. And they will deceive many. And then he said, and you'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. 
Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. He said, nation will go to war against nation. And sadly, we see that happening now. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Really what Jesus is saying to his followers at this point, he's saying, you know what, get some perspective. Don't panic. There's, there's going to be some difficult times. But he's like, that's not the main thing. And now he goes from a national perspective to a personal perspective because he's getting to his real main point now. And then he says, he speaks to them as individuals and he speaks to them, but he speaks through the ages to us who are his disciples today. He said, then you will be arrested, persecuted and killed. So, whoa, that just got real. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's not promise that you're going to have an easy life he said you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers we see that happening now if you want to follow Jesus you're not going for the popularity contest necessarily he said and many talking about Christians will turn away from me and then betray and hate each other that once they once loved they're going to be they're going to betray and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people and get this because of the increase of wickedness the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved and then the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come you see what Jesus is saying here he's like you might be asking what you want to know about the end times but I'll know you about my perspective and what I value Jesus end goal with the end times is not a timeline But his end goal, his end agenda is that the world would know about his love. The point is, let's not debate about timelines, about the end times, but a recognition of time is short, so let's get busy. The only reason I'm delaying my return is to give people more time to come to me. But then in this is a warning, and he gives this warning to us. Going back to the key verse, Matthew, or jumping forward in the slides, because he says in Matthew 24, 14, He says this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. So, zooming out, Jesus said, I am going to return once the gospel goes out to all the nations of the earth. But he said, on the way to that being fulfilled, don't get cold along the way. Don't grow cold, endure to the end. Don't Don't seize up. You know, when you get cold, you begin to seize up. We've got a few athletes here in the room. You need to warm up before you start to get into the activity you're going into. But man, when, you, when you're cold, when you're in extreme cold temperatures, you seize up. You can't, you can't do what, you're, what you want to do. You become ineffective and unfruitful. And so God's talking about being cold in our love to God, cold in our love to one another, and cold in our love to the world. And so what Jesus wants us to do is not to be cold, but to live with fervency this is what God's desire is for us in Romans chapter 12 verse 11 it says this he says never be lazy Aussies love that never be lazy but work hard that's a swear word work hard but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically everyone say enthusiastically you said it enthusiastically another translation says it like this do not let your zeal subside Do not let your fire begin to die 
But keep your spiritual fervor. Keep your spiritual fervency serving the Lord. Keep it going. See, this word fervor in the Greek comes from the Greek word zeo. And it's this. It's a term that mimics the sound of water bubbling over from heat. So you crank up the heat and it causes water to bubble. It, means, it literally means hot enough to boil. It means boiling with interest or desire to be deeply committed to something, to show great zeal, to be ardently passionate. Red hot, as, we, as with spirit-fueled zeal to serve the Lord, it can refer to boiling anger, boiling love, zeal for either what is good or what is bad. Essentially, what God wants us to do is to be sold out, all in, passionate, boiling with passion for Him. And so His desire is if we want to endure to the end, we've got to live with fervency. This is God's invitation to us. And so in order for us to live with fervency, what I'm going to do is in a moment, I'm going to give you five ways to fire up your fervency. If like me, you die down every now and then. But first of all, we're going to look at, well, what, what, why do we get cold sometimes? What causes us to grow cold and our love to God and to each other and to the world around us? Well, Jesus explains it again. Matthew 24 verse 14. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. Now this word wickedness, it, it literally means lawlessness. It literally means no laws. So if you are wicked, you... So those that are lawless are living as if there's no God, as if there's no principles, there's no boundaries, and these will increase. And we see that our world is full of people who are fervent, who live with fervency, boiling over with passion to live lawlessly, to live wicked lives, to live in a way that they want to rather than align their lives with principles, with the boundaries that God has set up for our own good, for our own, he's so life-giving, the boundaries he set up. But we see society gets, has become lawless. And this is the thing, what happens? What happens is we can find ourselves like in, in surrounded by this culture that begins to get on the inside of us. So take the analogy of boiling water. Um, sometimes when I fast, when we have our seasons of fasting, I like to make some broth. And I just get a whole lot of veggies and chicken in there and boil that thing and boil and boil and boil the water. Or I accidentally leave veggies or chicken too long in the water. But, but either way, when you boil up some chicken and some vegetables, it's, the water's beautiful, but every nutrient and every bit of goodness is bleached and blanched out of, of that thing, and it becomes tasteless and colorless, and it's just disgusting. And, and it literally changes the inside of it. it. It's like this bleached food. It's no good. And this is what can happen to us. See, we're, we're surrounded by a culture that is fervently going in a way that is lawless. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves immersed in this culture, being boiled up where all the nutrients are leached and bleached out of us. And just like the boiling water gets on the inside of food that's been boiled, so the culture that we're immersed in can get on the inside of us and it can change us. But you know, the, the key isn't to get out of the pot necessarily, because Jesus when he prayed to God, he didn't say, God, help to take us out of a pot and zap us out of our culture. Jesus said in John 17, verse 15, he said, God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the pot. That were his actual words. Um, to take them out of the world, 
but to keep them safe in it from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. So Jesus is saying, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I'm praying that the world doesn't get in them. And so if you get the world and its ways on the inside of you, it will slowly boil you alive. It's like a frog slowly boiling in water. You've heard the analogy. You put the frog in and you slowly turn the temperature up and the frog doesn't realize until it's too late and it's dead. Sometimes this can slowly happen to us as well. And so if we're, if we're immersed in this culture, we then become bland and tasteless. We lose our saltiness and our difference. We become blanched, powerless, bleached, colorless. It's a bit of a negative picture. But Jesus is, is warning us against growing cold in our love for God by allowing ourselves to be boiled up by the world around us. And so what we have is two decisions, to boil or to be boiled. Everyone say to be boiled or to boil. So when, you, when, we, when you're fervent, okay, when fervency, remember, is like to boil on the inside. So we've got a choice. Either you're going to be boiled up by the world. Either you're going to allow the fervency of the ways of the world around us to get on the inside. Or you are going to live with the fervency on the inside that influences the world around us. I'll break it down even simpler. Either you need to be the one that is doing the influencing or you are going to be influenced yourself. Okay, do a bit of academy language. Many, many of you have heard this. The thermostat, thermometer, bring it out. Okay, bring it out, the thermometer. Okay, so there's a thermometer. What does the thermometer do? It tells you the temperature. It simply follows the temperature. If it's cold, it reads cold. If it's hot, it reads hot. I guess it's, I guess it's hot right now. Um, it's a follower. It's been boiled by the culture around it. It's got zero influence. The thermometer is the one that has been influenced. Don't be a thermometer. Instead, be a thermostat. Thank you, Ash. Be a thermostat. What does a thermostat do? You know that thing on your wall that you set the temperature and it's hot? Well, what a thermostat does is it sets the temperature and the temperature either rises up to meet it or falls to meet it. The thermostat sets the temperature. The thermostat is not a follower. It's not a follower of culture, but it is a leader and a builder of kingdom culture. And so God wants us not to be slaves of the world, but to be free, to be thermostats rather than a thermometer. And get this, I'm going to say something very controversial here. The greatest climate emergency that we have is a lack of fervency in the church. That is the greatest climate emergency we have. And so I want to encourage you to fire up your fervency. And you know what? I'm preaching to myself. Right now, I'm fasting because I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm so convicted around this. Like, don't worry. When I, when I come here and preach to you, I'll preach to myself three times as more. Yesterday, I was preparing this from 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. That's right, last night. And so I spent all that time marinating in this. It's been convicted by God. So look out. So firing up your fervency, because this is the thing. We've got a bit of a campfire right here, all the way from Albany. So it's authentic, used in Bremer Bay. Oh, no, look at that. It's even got rust on it. It's incredible. Um, and so, do you know what? Any fire left alone will go out. And so, therefore, you and I 
a delusion if we think that we can be on fire for God and then do nothing about it. Why am I not on fire anymore? I don't know why I'm not. Something went wrong. You're like, you let it go out. And so for all of us, we need to be intentional to cultivate, to stoke it, to work it, to build our fire. Maybe you're getting cold in your love for God and your love for each other and your love for the world. Can I confess to you, I grow cold. I don't want to pray sometimes. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to do spiritual things a lot of the time. I just want to be entertained by Netflix TV series and eat junk food or whatever. I just like the rest of you. But come on, what I need to do is intentionally cultivate and fan into flames fervency in my life. So Five ways to fire up your fervency. Are you ready? Come on. All right, number one. Number one way to fire up your fervency is to get in the fire. That's right. We had kids in the service this morning. Had to, um, actually, parents, um, is to get, and the kids were like, yeah, <laughs> get in the fire. What do I mean by that? Well, if you have a bit of wood, right, laying around like this, and you want that wood to get on fire, Rather than spending all the time and all the energy over here trying to get this bit of wood lit up with a match, I started with kindling in the paper and building it up all the way until you can get that. All you need to do is get this, wo- this bit of wood into a fire already existing, and then no time at all, that bit of wood will very quickly, quicker than starting its own fire, catch a light and be set on fire itself. And so in the same way, we need to get in. If you want to, if you want to fire up your fervency, you need to get around fervent people. You need to position yourself in the fire, get around fervent people, and you will be set on fire yourself. Sometimes we're like, I need to try and stir up my fervency on my own. Do you know what can I say? Sometimes your number one move isn't necessary to pray or read the Bible. Whoa, that's controversial. Did a pastor say that? I'm saying your first move, if you can get around fervent people, you develop a desire to actually go on your own and read the Bible. But if you try to cultivate the fire over here a lot of the time, you cannot make it work. So your number one move, if you want to grow cold, hang out with cold people. If you want to grow hot, hang out with hot. We've got the best looking people in this church, I reckon. Come on. Not that kind of cot. And so if you look at Paul Wright, Paul writes to a church in Corinth, and he says it was their fervency that stirred up the fervency in the church around the corner in another city. He said this, 2 Corinthians 9.2. He said, I know how eager you are to help. And they were helping by giving money to those in need. He said, in fact, it was your fervency in the Greek. It was your enthusiasm that stirred up the, the, the many Macedonian believers to begin giving themselves. Their fire set them on fire. And can I encourage you, your fire helps to set other people on fire. This is why we say don't. Miss out on church. Don't think that you're not used by God. You rocking up to church with any level of heat on you will help other people to catch your fire. You can minister just, it's called the turning up ministry. Everyone say, turn up. It's a turning up ministry. It's a blessed ministry. And so Hebrews, if you see, if you want to be set on fire, jump in the fire and get around fervent people. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to set each other alight, to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect jumping in the fire, as some people do. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but, be, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Right? Rather than being creative and going, oh, gee, I'm just going to maybe get in or out, or maybe it won't, but 
You know what? Rather than looking for ways to get out, be creative. Look at ways to get in the fire. How can I get around the people? How can I get? How can I position myself? How can I stay in the fire? How can I get in the fire? How can I remain in the fire? You know what Jesus said? This was said about Jesus in John two seventeen. About Jesus was this: fervency for God's house will consume me. This was Jesus. Fervency, God, I boiled. Jesus was boiling. Fervency for God's house consumes me. Remember what it's like to be consumed with something or maybe with someone. It's like, I'm going to find all kinds of creative ways to get around that person. <laughs> they might not know about it, but I'm going to find, oh, I'm here again. I'm going, to, I'm going to find all kinds of creative ways to make sure I can get around them or I can achieve this or I can do that. God is inviting us. Let's be creative. Let's find creative ways to get in the fire. And so this is a bit of a sober one. A signal that your love for God is growing cold is that the church becomes optional. A signal for your love for God growing cold is that church becomes optional. It's an optional extra. I'm not talking about ticking the box church. I'm talking about Jesus saying fervency for God's house consumes me. Because get this, when you honor Jesus, you honor his house. When you honor his house, you honor Jesus. Jesus gave his life for the church. Jesus cares deeply. The church is you and I. God cares for you. You are the church. And so can I encourage you to get in the fire? Number one. Number two is to put fuel on the fire. If you want to fire up your fervency, put fuel on the fire. See, often when you're camping at night, the fire's been roaring and you're sitting around on the deck chair and eventually the fire starts to die down and there comes that moment where you start to, ooh, we start not, you notice you're starting to get cold, right? And then you're like, oh, I need to get more wood. You're like, oh, I can't really be bothered. And you wait and you wait and you wait and the longer you wait, the colder it gets. But you know what you need to do? To stoke the fire, you need to get out of your chair, you need to get some fuel, and you need to put fuel in the fire. And simply by putting fuel in the fire, the fire starts to grow again. You might not be bothered, and the longer you wait, the colder you're going to get. But if you can be bothered to do it, then you are going to help to stoke your fire, your fervency. And for us, the fuel for our fire is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. See, the Bible is how God speaks to us. Can I tell you, in direct proportion, if I read more of the Bible, and I don't mean just skimming, but really reading the Bible, the more I hear God's voice. Rather than finding God out here, some, man, if you spend time in His Word, He will speak to you. The more you get the Word of God in the the more it's going to fuel you. And Jesus said to us in Matthew 4 verse 4, he says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, bread or food feeds your body. That's great. But it's like what fuels and feeds your spirit is my word, is the Bible. And you know what you can get? malnourished if you don't eat properly, if you're eating junk food. And we can wonder why we're starting to feel a bit physically sick. If you're beginning to feel emotionally or spiritually sick, sometimes it's because we live a junk food diet and we're not 
actually eating the spiritual food we've been designed to eat to make us spiritually healthy and nourished and alive and equipped and fed. And so if you want to put fuel on the fire, get into the Word of God and do whatever you can to get more of the Word of God in your life. And you know what? You can turbocharge that. You can mix that with fasting. So if, if you just want to turbocharge your prayer life, if you want to turbocharge reading the Word of God, set aside, maybe skip a meal or skip a day or whatever. Again, I've been convicted around this whole thing. And so I've been fasting yesterday, today, because I've kind of reignited for me. I'm like, man, I can grow. God, I need to intentionally commit warfare over my body, which is saying, feed me. Let me lead your life. Let my feelings lead my life. But I'm like, no, I don't want that to rule my life. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I don't want to be boiled up in culture, boiled up in the world or in my own flesh, but I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to let the Word of God dictate my life. And that is what true freedom is. And so sometimes when you turbocharge your time with God in your prayer life with fasting, and God always speaks when you spend time in your Word. So if you want to fire up your fervency, get in the fire. Number two, fuel. Put fuel in the fire. Number three, help to build the fire. Help to build the fire. So some of us, and I'm going to put up my hand here, can be spiritually lethargic. I've definitely felt like this. I cannot be bothered praying. (laughs) Like for days, okay? Well, sack the pastor. I'm just being honest. Sometimes it can go days. Sometimes I've even gone, you know, a week or even longer without reading the Bible. I know. How is this crazy? I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I just cannot be bothered. I know that I'm meant to, and I know I should, and I know it's good for me, and I know the second I do it, I'm going to be happy, and I don't care, I'm just going to be bothered. It's like lethargy, lethargy, lethargy. Anyone relate? Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. And you know physical lethargy, where you just like got drool out here, and you're just like, I don't care what's in the telly, I'm just going to watch, and I'm just going to, uh, no one interrupt me from my lethargy. It's very satisfying saying that word. Everyone say lethargy. Lethargy, all right? You're lacking energy, right? Or fervency in your faith. So what we can do, like waiting for the lightning bolt. Okay, God, I'm ready. Zap me now. Zap me out of my lethargy. The lightning bolt's not coming. It's not coming. Can I guarantee you the lightning bolt will never come? Your body is going to decompose. It's going to be a skeleton on the couch until Jesus returns, waiting for this elusive lightning bolt to come. It will not happen. So get this, doing less is not the answer to your lethargy. And this is true at a physical level. Let's start with physical lethargy and then we'll get into spiritual lethargy in a moment. So physically, physical lethargy, right? Get this, the, the actual secret to increasing your energy levels when you're lethargic is to actually exercise. Say What? I thought if you're lethargic, it's like you need to rest more, longer, do less, look to do less. But actually, according to a University of Georgia study, Tim Poet says, sedentary people who regularly complain of fatigue can increase their energy levels by 20% and decrease their fatigue levels by 65%. That's an 80%, 85% difference simply by engaging in regular exercise. Not simply by doing less. And then, he, and in other words, rather than waiting for the energy to come, if you get moving first, the energy will follow. 
the energy will come. It's as you get yourself up off the couch, the energy will eventually come rather than waiting for the elusive energy that never comes and we complain, I'm just built different. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're just lazy. And I put myself in that lazy category as well. I relate, I relate. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Yes. So you get this. Another dude called O'Connor said, too often we believe that a quick workout will leave us worn out especially when we're already feeling fatigued. However, we've shown that regular exercise can actually go a long way to increasing feelings of energy. Here it goes on to say, a lot of people are overworked and not sleeping enough. Does anyone relate to that? Okay, self-imposed or externally composed, either way. But exercise is a way for people to feel more energetic. There's a scientific basis for us and there are advantages to it compared to things like caffeine and energy drinks. So rather than reaching the Red Bull, get off the couch, go for a little run. Hey, tip top. Excellent. So, One of the best ways to set yourself on fire to get out of spiritual lethargy is to get moving. It's to get off the couch and get serving, get helping, get busy building the fire. And as you do, your fire will burn. Your fire will grow as you get moving. Don't wait until you feel spiritually Unlethargic. Don't wait for. Don't wait until you're energetic enough because it will never come. Oh, it's not the right season. Hey, it's never the right season if you're waiting for the feelings to come. Is as you begin to go, you grow. As we get off the couch, we begin to have spiritual energy. So, can I encourage you to start serving, to use your time, your talents, start serving, start giving? Because get this: wherever your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart will be also. So think about your treasure, right? That's your finance. Say you pay packet for the week. That represents so much more than just the money you've earned. It represents your blood, your sweat, your tears, your hours, the substance of your life. And your interest, it represents like a part of you. And Jesus is saying, wherever your treasure is, whatever you invest yourself into, that's where your heart is going to go towards. You become interested in that which you are invested in in. So if you begin to invest yourself into something, you begin to grow a fervency for it as you're investing yourself. So I encourage you, start helping to build the fire and an interest will grow. Your heart will flow to where your treasure goes. And so if you want to fire up your fervency, get in the fire, put fuel in the fire, help to build the fire. And then lastly, spread the fire. Spread the fire. Now, I've been camping a couple of times where we've had a nice, beautiful, healthy fire. And I noticed around the corner, someone else has forgotten their matches. They don't have a fire. And they're like, and so what I've done a couple of times is not with my bare hands, but with a pot or something like that, is I, rather than than starting a fire, what I do is I grab my fire and I go over here. I say, here, have a part of my fire. I spread the fire over here. They're like, oh, Thank you. That's awesome. All of a sudden, we've multiplied the fires. I spread the fire around. And can I tell you this? Nothing sets you on fire more than seeing the fire of God, the power of God, flow through you into other people's lives. Nothing will set you on fire more than seeing God move you. Now, think about this. Electricity, right? Electricity flows through connection. All right, I'm going to tangle that. So electricity flows through connection. We've got a light here, right? And over here, we've got an extremely heavy battery. 
Yeah, there we go. You can see that. You've had a look at it? Okay, good. I'm not going to hold that up for you. So right now, that battery is full of energy. It is fully... Okay, pops. It is full of energy. It is ready to go. It's got electricity in there to power a car for months, whatever it is. But until it's actually connected to something, it may as well be powerless. It, it, It appears to be completely powerless and utterly useless. But this is the key. Electricity flows through connection. And so when we have this light... And we're connected to the battery, flowing through connection. Okay, black and black. I went to school. Whoa, hello. Look at that. The electricity is right in your eyes. All right, who's awake? Wake up. All right. So get this. The battery, the true power of the battery is, is truly brought about when it actually connects through a cord to the light. And the same way to us, What God wants us to do is to spread the fire, to come into connectivity with people who are in need, and it's then that we can see the power of God flow through our lives. I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave. Whoa, hello. That's bright. That's bright. Oof. Can't see my notes. And so get this. We, We have the power of the resurrection inside of us. Did you know that the truth is that you and I, that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. You you have more power than a nuclear power plant. Jesus said about you and I that we would do even greater things than he's done. You and I are like better than the, the best battery, than the best power plant in the world. But unless we are connected to others that need it, we can appear to be completely powerless and we can actually live a powerless christian life but this absolutely is not in the way what god in the way that god intended it to so if you begin to live a powerless life we slip into religion if you're not seeing the power of god flow through you you slip into religion and to ritual and i'm going to do the church thing and i'm read, read my bible and do the prayer thing and i'm just going to do 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 but actually, man, when you see the power of God flow through you, it, it, it transforms your life. Because the whole point is about the battery and the light. But look, look at the wire. You never look at the wire. Oh, wow, look at the wire. Apart from the production team and Jake. Um, <laughs> the wire, who cares about the wire? It's all about the power. It's all about the battery and the impact of this light or this person that's been impacted by the power of God. You and I are just called to be conduits of God's power. We're just called to, to, to hold on to God here, hold on to the world with His hand and see the power of God flow through us. Let me tell you, there's nothing better than sitting back, just being, I'm just a conduit being used by God and going, wow, God, you, you fall in love with God all over again. When you see God's power connect with a world in need, when people in your world, you fall in love with God all over again. You know, just recently, Jess and I, we started to invite um, some people over to our house. We've, we've kind of found this to be true for us. It's fired up our fervency. When we've actually begun to invite people to our place for dinner, hang around them, um, either really new Christians, people that have just made a decision or people that are exploring and we have conversations with them. 
and end the night praying for them. And we have seen the power of God move. We've been amazed at what God's done. He's delivered people. He's set people free. He has healed people. And we're just falling in love with God all over again. And so I encourage you to fire up your fervency by connecting to the lost, to share the fire. You know what Jesus said? He said, get moving and connect with the world. And as you connect with the world, my power will flow through you. Okay, I'm going to read this. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go into your world. Go into every single person. Go into your school places and your workplaces and your families and streets and and wherever you are. Go into the world telling people about the good news. That God hasn't got, he's, He's not in a bad mood. He loves you. He sent Jesus to die and to pay for your sins that you can come to know God. And he's saying, as as you connect with the world, automatically my power is going to run through you and impact their lives. And he gives us a bit of a snapshot. He said, these miraculous signs will automatically accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Yes, you are called to cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. Can we go to the next one? I I might not have that. Oh, there we go. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. This was an interesting one, telling the kids this morning on Sunday. Um, They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, yeah, parents, close your um, cupboard doors. It won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. This is just a snapshot. This isn't a comprehensive list. Jesus is just like saying, here's some of the things that are automatically going to happen as you connect with the world and you see the power of God begin to flow through you. And so I want to encourage you to be intentional about connecting with people, praying for people, laying hands on people, inviting them to church. Next Sunday, we've got the Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve service. Can I encourage you to invite, to bring people to the Christmas invite to Christmas service um, next Sunday? Awesome opportunity. That at a minimum. This morning, I actually gave a little invite to someone that I go, I go to a cafe in Albany. And I didn't think this person would come. I thought, no. Nah, come it's just I'll humor them I'll give them this thing um, they own this cafe and I was like hey here's a here's your here's an invite for you to come to church for Christmas Eve service he's like oh actually yeah I'm gonna talk to my wife about that we're, in fact we're gonna come with our kids I was like wow I'm so glad I didn't say no for you in fact he said he, he met Veronica when she was down a few weeks ago he's like man that, that Veronica man Mara, yeah okay well she goes to church then you know it's like <laughs> But it's like, don't say someone's no for them. At least that. This Christmas. At least at a minimum. Don't say someone's no for them. Because what if they say yes? And God is on their agenda. Let's connect with the world. So get this. The antidote to being boiled up by culture around us and growing cold is to be fervent on fire about the gospel. That is your antidote. Because Jesus said, going back to that first scripture, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this is the end. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. So characteristic of one who endures to the end is someone that aligns their heart with God's heart. Their time, their talent, their treasure with the priority of the gospel. And so I want to encourage us tonight, let's not grow cold. The choice is yours. Boil or be boiled. The blue pill or the red pill. 
So come on, let's stand up together tonight. Let's get in the fire. Let's put fuel on the fire. Let's help to build the fire. Let's spread that fire. Amen. And finally, number five. Some of you are waiting for the number five. Who was waiting for the number five? Okay, Abe, okay. Ah, there you go. There you are, my numbers, people. I'll be, this will be agitating me so much. Number five, this one's just for free. You know what? Be filled with fire. See, John the Baptist, he talked about Jesus. He said in Matthew 3.11, he said, But after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So right now, we're just going to be singing this song, Set a Fire Down in My Heart. So let this be a prayer of our heart. And as we sing this, let us believe that the Holy Spirit wants to reignite a fire in your heart. And as you do that, why don't you make a decision and say, God, I'm leaving lethargy behind. I'm leaving complacency behind, God. But I want to be one, Lord, who is counted among those that are fervent, Lord God. Those that choose to be fervent, Lord. Those that choose to boil for you, Lord God. I want to boil for you. I want to hunger for you. I don't want to be boiled by the world. I want to be a thermostat. I want to change atmospheres wherever I go. I want to bring the presence and the power of God everywhere I go. And so this morning, tonight, as we sing this song, why don't you just lift up your hands right now and just receive by faith a fresh fire. So God, right now, prophesy, Lord, and release a fresh fire from heaven. Come, Holy Spirit, release a fresh fire among us, Lord. Release a fresh fire, Lord. God, to see that you, Lord God, are baptizing us with a fresh fire from heaven, Lord. Fresh fire, fresh wind, fresh fire, Lord. That's so why don't we sing this song together. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.